welcome back to Well That's Interesting. The first one I'm okay with, but the second one, I'm not so sure about. Edition. Today is episode 172, a 400-year-old prosthetic hand and giant caves covered in mysterious, equally giant claw marks. My friends, today is all about old, very old extremities. One belonging to a human, and the others... Absolutely no way. When you see the size of these so-called caves and the deep marks embedded into their walls, it's the kind of stuff you take one look at and say, no, 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 no thank you. In the first half of the show, we're going to take a hop, skip, and a jump over to a small town in southern Germany, where, during a recent excavation, a body was found. And believe it or not, that isn't the most surprising part. Attached to this body was a prosthetic. Carbon dating of the individual revealed he lived in a time period most of us modern folks consider just inhospitable. It was filled with war, famine, disease, poverty, inequality, classism, racism, ableism, all the isms. Actually, it sounds really familiar. Um, Well, despite all this, and just like today, there were also signs of compassion and progress. The hand that was crafted for this man might make us take a second look at the Middle Ages. Then after the break, we're going to take an even bigger hop, skip, and a jump to South America, where geologists found some rather unusual caves. They were quite oval, with a smooth floor. There were entrances and exits, making them seem more like tunnels or passageways. Some went on for hundreds of feet. And most peculiar of all, from top to bottom, they were covered in claw marks. Yeah, claw claw marks just so large you could use a human head for scale. Now, where these caves can be found, how many have been found so far, and most important, who in the holy hell made them, shall all be revealed. And whatever you're thinking, my friends, it's even weirder than that. In the meantime... I'm Jill Chacha, and if this is your first time listening, welcome to The Flock, my ferocious business goose. To begin, I'm going to ask you to bust out your finest lederhosen once more, because we are back in Germany's largest state, Bavaria. Now, for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, this may sound vaguely familiar. We were just there a few weeks ago for episode 159, Three Mile Island Disaster Caused by So Many Fuck-Ups, and What's Making German Wild Boars Radioactive. Yeah, good times were had by all, but if you haven't had a listen, you absolutely fucking should, and when you come on back, uh, Bavaria is right where we left it, starting at the center of the country and fanning outwards, encompassing the entire southeast corner and sharing a border with its neighbor, Austria. And nothing bad came from that. Now, when I say Bavaria is old, it truly fucking is. Old with a capital ancient. This region's earliest settlements can be traced back to Iron Age Celtic tribes, followed by conquests of the Roman Empire in the first century BC. In sum, the ground here is a literal seven-layer cake of history. You can't dig several inches without hitting some priceless relic. And God knows... If you were trying to lay down, say, a new pipeline through this countryside, I hope you have patience. Every square inch of its path first needs to be examined by archaeologists because you absolutely never know what 
or who you may find as the layers are exposed. My friends, please join me, will you, just a few hundred meters from Bavaria's Church of St. George, which, according to romanticroadgermany.com, yes, you know the one, uh, is an impressive and, quote, quite massive church at the historic heart of Dinkelsbuhl. In quotes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's just, just say it with me. Dinkelsbuhl. Mm. We are in Dinkelsbuhl finally. And uh, it was here, just late last year, researchers were clearing the path for said pipeline when they came across a most interesting body. My curious business goose, please drop your Dinkles bull and head on over to our social media stuffs. Tap on today's post and you shall see a burial plot. Now, you know what? I'm going to pull it up here myself. And uh, yeah, it's that's clear as day. That right there is a person. <laughs> and um, well, rather, the skeletal remains of a person. And I'm no medical doctor, but that that gigantic hole in the side of their head, uh, that should not be there. And we can assume this had something to do with their passing. Uh, now, my friends, that alone would be an incredible forensic find. But it turns out a massive blow to the head is just the beginning here. According to a press release by the Bavarian State Office for Monument Preservation, some clickety-clack calculations were made, including a round of radiocarbon dating on the bones, which revealed this was a male individual somewhere between 30 and 50 years old, and he died sometime between 1450 and 1620. Okay, put a pin in that. 1450 and 1620. And once you're done pinning, you know, we need to head back to our social media stuff. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to swipe past the dead body for me. Yes, you heard me. Please swipe past the body. And uh, what you're going to do is you're going to land on a photo that can only be described as a mess. It, it's a goddamn mess. Or, it, or at least a rock. It just looks like a rock. Uh, I have it up here myself. And honestly, if I had seen this like earthy brown clump... I honestly wouldn't think much of it. Um, but the archaeologists over at Bavaria's state office, they know better than to skip over a clump in a grave. <laughs> Especially when that clump is where a human hand should be. My friends, okay, swipe past that image just one more time for me, and you're going to see a different angle of this clump. And I'm going to keep saying the word clump, and I'm sorry. Um, this side view is incredible. It totally changes your perspective. It looks like a glove, doesn't it? Like a crusty oven mitt. Now, stick with me here. This called for an x-ray stat. And what it revealed, well, let's just get into it. Quote, this hollow prosthetic on the left hand replaced four fingers. Walter Erlinger, deputy of the general conservator at the Bavarian State Office for Monument, Preser Monument Preservation, it's a mouthful. That's what Walter uh, wrote in a press release. He went on to say, quote, the index, middle, ring, and little fingers are individually molded out of sheet metal and are immobile, end quote. Yes, my cuddly business goose. What researchers found was a prosthetic made sometime between the late Middle Ages and early modern period, which is a fancy way of saying well over 400 years ago. 400 years ago. And that's not all, of course. Marks on the remaining left hand bones suggest the fingers were amputated while he was alive. 
and the thumb bone was cemented to the corroded metal prosthetic, which indicated the patient kept his thumb and he survived the whole fucking thing. My friends, this is pretty exciting. Now, to put the success of this surgery into context, I'm going to drop some jaw-dropping fact bombs on you right now. According to The Air of History Part 2, Medicine in the Middle Ages by Rachel Hodger, get this, quote, The Black Death arrived in Europe by sea October 1347. Over the next five years, the mysterious plague would kill more than 20 million people in Europe, almost one-third of the continent's population. How did the people of the Middle Ages cope with such a horrible disease? Well, no medical knowledge existed at the time to deal with the infection. Bacteria and contagion were unknown. Medical doctors tended to blame a pestilential atmosphere caused by either planetary conjunction or by earthquakes and volcanic eruptions that had occurred before the disease appeared. Doctors tried every possible cure and prevention, including crude and unsophisticated techniques such as bloodletting, boil lancing, and superstitious practices, such as burning aromatic herbs and bathing in rose water or vinegar. Some stressed that olive oil as an article of food was fatal and that bathing was injurious. Others believed the air had become stiff and had to be broken up by loud noises, so bells were rung, guns were fired, and birds were released to fly around the room. End quote. <laughs> can you imagine? Actually, I can imagine this. Uh, to my fellow Americans, don't get any ideas. Firing guns in the room where your loved one is dying from an illness will not work. It didn't work. So let's get back to that amputation whose time period between the 1400s to 1600s suggests medicine finally began to take a very different direction. And as, the, as for the prosthetic itself, the palm was metal, and the index, middle, ring, and pinky fingers were scraps of fabric bound in leather. The press release also went on to add, quote, the fingers were slightly curved and lay parallel to each other to imitate a natural resting position of the hand, end quote. And my friends, you fucking bet I have a goddamn CT scan of that. So please head on over to the glory that is the 21st century and have a look on our social media stuffs. That certainly looks like a hand that was made with care for the Middle Ages. Now, I know what you may be thinking. This poor son of a bitch survived the odds of surgery in the, mid in the Middle Ages just to die now? From a blow to the head? Like, maybe, uh, but why? Great question, my ample business goose. Well, if we combine all the evidence, the intense hand injury, the skull fracture, the carbon dating, the location of the body, it's possible this person died during what else but a war caused by religious differences and power-hungry asshats. Yes. <laughs> Did you just say Jesus Christ, of course, because I did when I found out. Um, my friends, the Thirty Years' War was one of the longest and most destructive conflicts in European history. From 1618 to 1648, it was fought primarily in Central Europe, right where we are in Bavaria. An estimated four and a half to eight million soldiers and civilians died 
and some areas of modern Germany experienced a population decline of over 50%. That is insane. And a very long, 30-year-long story short, what happened was Emperor Ferdinand II became head of state of the Holy Roman Empire in 1619, and he was like, okay, everyone, we're Roman Catholic now, and people were like, no... No thanks, I want to be Protestant or something else, and I will totally kill over this, and they did. According to History.com, as the Thirty Years' War evolved, quote, it became less about religion and more about which group would ultimately govern Europe. In the end, the conflict changed the geopolitical face of the continent and the role of religion and nation-states in society. End quote. Ooh. Now, I know what else you may be thinking other than, oh god... You might be thinking, shit, these archaeologists are going to uncover way, way more bodies as this pipeline attempts to be built. Yes, you are absolutely correct, my friend, because surprise, this isn't the first prosthetic hand found. It's the 50th. Yes, 5-0. 50 similar medical devices have been found across Central Europe, dating from the late Middle Ages around 1300 to 1500 to the early modern period 1500 to the 1800s. It turns out lots of people were losing all sorts of things thanks to war and to save lives. Great strides in medicine and surgery had to be made. And this is a very depressing way to end this segment. So I dug up a fun fact, no pun intended. One of the oldest prosthetics on record is actually pretty gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Please head on over to our social media stuffs and you will see a big toe. (laughs) I'm serious. Just do it. Trust me. This toe is a 3,000 year old wooden prosthetic and it was found attached to a female person in an ancient Egyptian gravesite. My friends, the detail of this digit from the toenails to the holes where the piece is tied onto the foot is absolutely amazing and the fucking wood itself survived for so long i what i i I can't and thanks to x-rays and computer imaging imaging researchers found that this wooden toe was refitted several times to make it a perfect fit and long lasting looks like they didn't believe in planned obsolescence in the first millennium bc after the break You'll probably need another iPhone by now, but that's going to have to wait. Uh, We are heading down to South America, and we are walking face first into some really big holes uh, that you're going to need to see to believe. They're really big and covered in claw marks. Stay tuned. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. 
Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And we're back. We are so back. And my friends, grab a breathable shirt and a headlamp. We need to bust out the old time machine and dial it way the fuck back to 2010. Now, personally, I have barely any recollection of this year as it feels like several lifetimes ago. But for Amilcar Adame, this is a time he will never forget. For you see... Adame is a geologist with the Brazilian Geological Survey, CPRM, and he was drawn to the Amazonian state of Rondonia after hearing rumors about bizarre cave systems here. Now, for my fellow geographically challenged Americans, what in the holy hell did I just say? And where in the holy hell is Rondonia? Well, don't worry, I've got you. Please imagine Brazil. Thank you. Now, please point to its center. Okay, now move your finger all the way west. Here is Rondonia, one of Brazil's 26 states, and once upon a time, it was home to over 200,000 square kilometers of rainforest, but has since become one of the most deforested places in the Amazon. Human encroachment and illegal cattle ranching has revealed not only how much we suck, but also geological formations that locals couldn't quite explain. So, here we are, standing besides a sweaty adame, who eventually found his way to a gaping hole on a slope just a few miles north of the border with Bolivia. Technically, at the moment, we're trespassing as Adame was unable to find the homeowner of this land to ask for permission to investigate, so this visit would have to be brief. But just looking at the immediate interior of the opening, Adame could easily tell this wasn't the cause of any natural geological process. This was a round passage with a smooth floor. Quote, I'd never seen anything like it before, Adame told discovermagazine.com. It really grabbed my attention. It didn't look natural. End quote. My friends, I am so sorry, but we're going to have to leave puzzled Adame for just a bit and return to our time machine. We need to travel back just a few more years and about 1,700 miles to the southeast. Here... We'll find another Brazilian geologist, Heinrich Frank, a professor at the University of Rio Grande do Sul, and on a random Friday afternoon, he was traveling down a highway which passed many construction sites dotting the landscape, uh, but this one belonged to the town of Novo Hobongo. Sorry, Novo Hamburgo. My apologies to everyone living in Novo Hamburgo. <laughs> Sorry. Dear God, okay. So there, standing out like a sore thumb, was an exposed hillside with, yet again, an entrance to a peculiar hole. <laughs> I'm not doing well with the sentence. Uh, yet again, an entrance to a peculiar hole. <clears throat> so, like any good geologist, Frank did the most appropriate thing. He went back a few weeks later and climbed inside. What he found did not disappoint. Quote, it was a single shaft about 15 feet long. At its end, while on his back, he found what looked like claw marks all over the ceiling. Quoting Frank, quote, 
There is no geological process in the world that produces long tunnels with a circular or elliptical cross-section which branch and rise and fall with claw marks on the walls. End quote, Frank told Discover Magazine. Oh God, my friends, it's time. I believe it's time. Please head on over to our social media stuffs and tap on today's post. Move past all those photos of the 400-year-old hand, and you shall see a snapshot of Frank on his hands and knees. And it's okay, he's in one of these caves. Uh, If you swipe once again, you'll see an example of how some sections of the caves are smooth as fuck, and the other sections are covered in all caps, gigantic claw marks. For real. Please take a moment and swipe through. My favorite, my favorite photo is the one of the smiling geologist who is using her head for scale against these marks. They are long. So you may be asking, what? What is happening here? Well, great question. Frank and Adame had the same curiosity, and despite all the advice provided by every horror movie ever, these guys actively sought out similar caves and went inside them to find out. My friends, you know the old saying, seek and ye shall find? Well, holy shit, they sought and they fucking got. (laughs) Along one 45-mile stretch of highway, just one 45-mile stretch, Frank and his adorably nerdy students identified what they called paleoburrows in more than 70% of their investigations. That is a lot of holes. Now, what the fuck is a paleoburrow, you may be asking? Well, I'm glad you asked. Basically, it's a massive space that was once a home to extinct megafauna or an equally massive animal that's no longer around. Here is one example of a paleoborough, just to put its size into context. Uh, This excerpt also includes a little uh, about the team's process and how many of these paleoburrows they've uncovered so far. Here we go. Quote, When Frank found a suitable passage, he squeezed through an elliptical shaft roughly four feet wide, 65 feet long, and lined with claw marks. Extrapolating from the original size of the hill sliced away for the highway, he calculated that the original burrow was about 250 feet long, not counting for twists and turns that it surely once included. In his home state of Rio Grande do Sul, in the far south of Brazil, Frank has documented at least 1,500 paleoburrows so far. In Santa Catarina, I got to do this. In Santa Catarina, just to the north, he's found hundreds more and counting. In these burrows, sometimes you get the feeling that there's some creature waiting around the next curve. That's how much it feels like a prehistoric animal den. End quote. He told Discover Magazine. Goddamn, my friends. A 250-foot-long cave or burrow is pretty goddamn big. But good news. There are bigger ones by, like, a lot. Remember that initial hole (laughs) that Adame found when he was, like, trespassing a little bit? Uh, Well, he went back in 2015 and finally had permission to give it a good once-over. My God, my thriving business goose. It turned out to be one of the largest ever. Including all of its branching tunnels, this fucker was about 2,000 feet in length. I'll say that again, 2,000 feet. 
The tunnels were more than six feet tall and three to five feet wide. It's estimated 4,000 metric tons of dirt and rock were moved to create this burrow. <laughs> Quote, this wasn't made by one or two individuals, said Adana to Discover magazine. It was made by many over generations. End quote. What? Yes, my friends, this was a mansion for a big family. So who the fuck were they? What could not, what could not only make this cave, but all those others? Okay, well, hold on to your cheeks. Frank believes that these were made by, drum roll please, thank you in the back, giant ground sloths. Yes, you heard me. <laughs> really, really big sloths. Now, my teeny business goose, listen up. Once upon a time, at least eight to 10,000 years ago, giant land sloths and their giant armadillo friends called South America home. These sloths were about the size of African elephants. Yeah. Now, these paleo burrows belonging to giant sloths is just a theory, and it is a great one. But there are some issues. One, testing and carbon dating on the sediment has still yet to be done. And two, quote, while common in the southern Brazilian states of Rio Grande do Sul and Santa Catarina, they are so far almost unknown just to the north in Uruguay. Likewise, very few have been found farther north in Brazil, and Frank is aware of just a tiny handful of possible burrows in other South American countries. And though North America was also home to giant ground sloths and giant armadillos, you won't find paleo burrows here. End quote from Andrew Jenner of Discover Magazine. Oh, my friends, I know you well, and I know you know me well. <laughs> We totally believe that massive, adorable sloths once dug homes for themselves wherever they goddamn well pleased. Luckily, there are counterpoints to this counterpoint. And it's Greg McDonald from the Bureau of Land Management, a paleontologist who has the fun job of studying extinct South American sloths. He also spoke with Discovery, uh, Discover Mag, and he believes that it's a simple fact of that these burrows have been overlooked. This is, remember, a very recent discovery. Researchers have only been paying attention since the 2010s. So, Frank and Adame and Greg and a lot of other giant sloth lovers out there have their work cut out for them, no pun intended, because more holes need to be explored. And we love that. In the meantime, may the image of a sloth the size of an elephant all curled up inside its home May that image just bring you joy. Thank you for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends about all the dead people in Germany. <laughs> but about, and they're going to think of something else, but you're like, heads up, it's about this, not the other thing you're thinking of, because because Germany. Uh, tell them about the giant fucking sloths that have little homes that aren't actually little. They're, like, they're two, at least 2,000 feet long at some points. Jesus Christ. And uh, a giant sloth-sized thank you to the folks over at Airwave Media, the podcast network to which WTI belongs. If you love this show, you'll love the other podcasts in this family. And of course, please, stay interesting.